1: This show is driven to provide relatable hunting and outdoor content in the Keystone State and surrounding Northeast.
0: On this show, you'll hear an array of perspectives from biologists and industry professionals to average Joes with a lifetime of knowledge.
1: All centered around values aiming to be better outdoorsmen and women.
0: Both in the field as well as home and daily life. No clicks, no self-interest, just delight in the pursuit of creation. And now,
1: your host, the pride of Pennsylvania, the man who shoots straight... Won't steer you wrong.
0: Johnny Appleseed himself.
1: Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Well, happy new year, everybody. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Hope you guys had a great, great, uh, great set of holidays there between Christmas and New Year's. Um, it, it's always a fun time for me, time with the family. And uh, I appreciate every one of you continuing your support for our show throughout uh, the entire 2023 and i'm anxious to bring 20 and see what happens i uh had got to i got to deer hunt a little bit this past week i was able to go and there's a there's a place at one of my family's uh, uh my, my in-law side of the family uh that have some property that we can deer hunt on and i saw a good number of deer but I just couldn't make anything happen. The first sit, I chose to sit in uh, on a ridge uh, really close to this bedding area. And it's a good spot. I had I had uh, five deer come in around 8 o'clock in the morning. And I was bow hunting because this stand is too close to houses to hunt with a gun. So I brought my flintlock with, and I really enjoy flintlock hunting this time of year. But I didn't uh, I didn't have it in this set. So the deer came in, and it was one of those days where the forecasted wind was good on paper. But it was a little light and variable, and it just seemed to linger and swirl just a little bit. And it seemed like when the deer got to a certain point, they got within that little bubble of where it was swirling, and they got a little nervous. And they kind of went around me and uh, started to come down and got to about twenty three yards. And yeah, no big deal, right? But the only problem was I could not get drawn without one of them seeing me. Every time the lead doe would take her head off of my direction, the other doe behind her that was also getting a whiff uh, was, was full alert. And I just couldn't make it happen. So finally, when I got the full draw, they were starting to get nervous. And I stopped one of the doe and she just stopped just behind a, a couple of twigs. And I wasn't going to force a shot. You know, I didn't need to shoot a deer that bad. And uh, it, that hunt was so much fun. Like the anticipation of full draw, them coming in, doing what I wanted them to do. It was just fun. It was like one of the most fun hunts I had this year and not sh- and didn't shoot anything and uh, it was almost like a catch and release feel. It was like what it was like it was like that was that was just awesome to see him for as long as I did come in close. I got the full draw. I was like one step away from letting an arrow fly, but fun sit uh the evening sit didn't see a deer and then yesterday morning uh which would have been New Year's Day Monday as I'm recording this, I had uh I had gone out and I had some deer come in. I was in the same tree stand. And I had some deer come in from the opposite way, and I didn't know it. And I'm pretty sure they saw me. Uh, I moved my head to look into the thick stuff on the opposite side of me, and I'm pretty sure they saw me and took off. And uh, that was a little bit aggravating, rookie move on my part. But still, got to see some deer and do some cool stuff. I went and pulled some cameras, and what a a disappointment my cameras were. Um, So I had a bunch of my older cameras out and uh, the only Radix cameras I had out were my two cell cameras, which worked great, but I put a couple of regular cameras out, and I just wanted them to soak all season long. And I had went through and pulled those those cameras and cards, and I was so anxious to see them. The first camera I pulled, which was probably the one I wanted to see the most information of, of which deer were going where, right? Literally had three videos on it. And it was right when I put it out in August. And for some reason, it stopped working. I mean, it turned on fine and everything else when I got to it, but had nothing. So I was, like, not happy there. Go down to one of my next cameras. The IR didn't work. The infrared. So, had daytime pictures. No nighttime. And then uh, the last camera was a just a cheap old camera that it works, but man i really question how well it works sometimes just by the sequence of images and some of the things i've gotten but it had stuff on it; it told me a little bit about that spot um so cameras were kind of a disappointment but that uh, is what it is you don't need cameras i mean i didn't have cameras going into the hunts this past weekend and uh, I, I knew where bedding was, I knew what wind needed to be, and I went and hunted and saw some deer. So it was fun. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm starting to dwindle off the deer hunting interest, but um, it, it's always hard for me. I usually go right up till the end, and if, uh, if I get a chance the next few weekends to go out, I will. Now, shifting gears here a little bit, a lot of people are already done thinking about deer most people rifle season ends and it's over and they shift gears to something else um that kind of fits well with uh today's episode today we have nate thomas now nate thomas is one of the hosts for the missouri woods and water podcast now obviously he's in this midwest and there's definitely some differences among uh the Midwestern pennsylvania hunting don't get me wrong but nate is somebody who is a diehard deer hunter but coyotes come into a close second and when he started getting into this he went full bore as far as equipment um and knowledge and learning and everything else and he's got a lot of experience on setting up uh the equipment he likes to use we talk a bunch about uh the necessities and the equipment he just doesn't want to leave without. And then what else is just extra at that point? But the thing that we talk about first, and some some of you might be able to relate to this, is uh, we, we talk about the, the rough deer season that Nate had. I mean, Nate had great encounters, and he's talked about it a bunch on his show, but we, we just touch base like this was a a difficult, frustrating deer season for him. So he said, and, and it was something along the lines of, "I'll be ready to shoot some coyotes just because that will take the edge off of me." So, you know, with that, let's go into this episode. I don't know that I'm going to be doing any predator hunting anytime soon, but with uh, with him talking about it, it, made me at least think about it. But I'm sure some of you guys that are listening to this have already been out, or you're itching to get out. So enjoy this episode with Nate and uh quick before we do we're just going to give a shout out for our partners radix hunting and radix hunting i used uh some of the tree stands i used this past weekend were old stuff that i had it was none of the 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 gear that i have from radix and there is definitely a difference in that gear compared to the radix gear the first thing that stands out to me is no matter how much i ratcheted down and tightened down the old sticks and stuff like that, I still got a little bit of noise when I was climbing up. And the thing I loved with the Radix tree stands is I didn't get any of that all season long. Those those stands, once I set them, Those sticks, the tree stands, everything—they were quiet as could be. And some of the stands that I had placed this year were close to bedding areas, so if you sneak up to a stand and it creaks metal, I mean that is unnatural. So I was really, really happy with the Hang-On setup that I had from Radix in multiple locations this year. Quiet, and I again, I really was happy with their cameras. The Scout Tech app for the M-Core cell cameras really easy to use, really easy to set up. I had great, great images. I think Radix images are fantastic. And, uh, you know, they're Gen 600, the stick and pick uh, camera accessories, you know, tripod mounts, tree mounts, everything. Radix uh, has some great stuff. So check out Radix. And with that, let's get to this episode. Finally happening for me on today's show, um, finally made it happen, it's mostly my fault, but I got Nate Thomas from Missouri Woods and Water Podcast on the network. Nate, what's going on? It's been a while. What's up, buddy? You got stuck with the uh,
0: the worst of the three of us, but... <laughs> I would... Over- melt now
1: <laughs> i wouldn't say that what makes you say that i mean uh, mike, mike is usually in for comic relief and andy always seems very detail-oriented but uh, i mean c- come on now why, why would we say <laughs> that <laughs> you uh, you nailed it
0: uh i'm I, I guess i'm kind of the babysitter anyway so i guess that works out you know i gotta i'm like the babysitter of those two when when they get together i gotta keep them on track
1: uh, gotcha. So I met, I met you at ATA last year and met Mike at ATA, but I haven't met or had much had any interaction with Andy, but I know he's into ag and I always thought, man, if I ever get an opportunity, we'd probably talk farming constantly because, you know, that's what I do. And I know he's, is, 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 he's a full-time, uh, grain farmer.
0: No, he's a full-time, uh, rural lender. And then he also owns a farm and farms with his dad as well. Gotcha. Um. So he does, I mean, full, I guess he's got two full-time jobs if you think about it that way. But he's actually going to be with me this year at ATA, and Micah won't be. So they kind of flip
1: spots this year. Good deal, good deal. Well, man, I uh, I want to do a make sure we do a good job here for people who might not have listened to your show, if they listen to mine. Please introduce yourself uh, however you see best fit. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I'm just a guy. Looking for a, I'm just kidding. No, my name is uh, Nate. <laughs> uh, I'm one of the three hosts of the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast, which is on the same network as uh, your show, uh, among other shows. And, um, you know, we're just three Missouri boys who uh, have different backgrounds and um, are all related in some way, shape, or form. Um, and just, you know, love talking about the hunting we were just talking about before we recorded, you know, what you kind of get labeled as, and, you know, we are, we are definitely whitetail heavy and and, and predator hunting heavy guys. Uh, But we also go out west elk hunting every year. Um, We've gotten into bow fishing the last few years. Um, You know, we're not really big on the waterfowl stuff, uh, just because we have other things that are taking up all of our money and time. So um, that's kind of, that's, that's us in a nutshell. Uh, We enjoy what we do. Uh, we we should have named our show like the the outlaws or the you know the dysfunctional family or something because you know what people don't un, uh, uh, might not know is I'm actually related to both Andy and Micah through marriage. Okay. So Micah's married to my sister, to my little sister, and I am married to Andy's older cousin. Mm. So I'm an in-law to both of them. They they are not related at all, but uh, so it's kind of funny that way when people hear that they you know they immediately start making like you know jokes about arkansas and you know your sister
1: <laughs> and stuff like that no it's missouri yeah. it's okay you don't think of that when you think of missouri at least i don't
0: no no you just you just think a you just think of meth when you think of missouri
1: oh gosh well, <laughs> let's not go down that 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 uh hole. I, I swear that craps everywhere <laughs> but definitely don't want to talk drugs we definitely want to talk yeah. talk hunting you said about being labeled and stuff um I talked about it with you a little bit in the past, you know, I know you really got more into predator hunting. Um, Not necessarily that it takes priority for you, but you've really like taken off predator hunting as far as interest the past couple years, because we were, uh, we were talking, I know, uh, so so your, uh, your logo for Missouri woods and water, I I heard the story and I thought it was really cool. So the, the buck that's on your logo was designed, I believe after a buck you killed, isn't that correct?
0: It is. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how the whole thing started. Uh, I was on Dan's show nine finger chronicles, uh, after I killed the buck that's on our logo and, um, I had a lot of fun and Dan and I kind of kept in touch and one thing led to another and we started the show. So when we were coming up with our logo, that, that story I did of of this deer just was kind of cool. So Mike actually has a cousin that lives in Tennessee who is a graphic designer. And I sent a bunch of pictures of this deer to him and he drew uh, that deer. So that's why the deer has a crab claw. Um, that's why he's got a, a crooked G1. If you can tell mm-hmm. there's a, there's like a little crooked G1. Uh, that's because that's exactly what that deer looks like. Um, and then we designed our, our, we decided to start with some alternate logos and we now have a coyote logo as well, and Micah's cousin did the same thing. He uh, he took our deer logo and tried to use the same harsh lines, the same eye shape, and created a, a coyote that you can tell is related to the deer. So um, people have asked us about ducks and all kinds of different logos, but right now we just got the one alternate coyote logo for all those coyote fanatics out there.
1: Well, yeah, and that, was what, that was one thing I was going to get at. So when you were creating that that new logo, I think you had sent some pictures out and stuff, and I was looking at them, and you were like, do you like the new logo or not? And I think I said no because I like your buck logo in the story, and I was like, better not replace your buck. But you're like, no, no, it's just an alternate. But I never got into yeah. predator hunting um, of any capacity. I've done a little bit of predator hunting. I've, I've killed some predators. Um, it never took off for me for a couple reasons. And, and some of those reasons I want to talk about a little bit with you, but I would say one thing that never really struck me hard was I, there's this weird thought. Like if I don't eat something, I don't have a huge desire to hunt it. Now I have no problem shooting coyotes and fox, but I don't actively go and hunt them but i'm kind of curious how did you even get started coyote hunting fox hunting all that stuff in the first place because i know you were heavy on deer for most of your hunting life
0: yeah it really actually started with andy andy was the first of the three of us to start coyote hunting um and he you know he had some fun so we decided that we were going to try it and um it just, it just fit really well. Um, there's a lot of pre- coyote hunters or predator hunters out there that, that hunt them year round. But for us, the vast majority of our predator hunting comes after whitetail season until the next whitetail season. So it's just like this perfect space that fills, it fills a need. It fills a, an empty space in our outdoor life. Um, and I think what made each of us love it so much is that it's so vastly different than whitetail hunting or elk hunting that it just, it gives you a nice change of scenery after the whitetail season. You know, like me personally right now, I'm so burnt out on whitetail uh, because, you know, I can't get the deer I want down. Um I want nothing more than to start hunting coyotes and stop thinking about it. If, if whitetail season ran until May, I would, I would already be burned out. You know, I I'd be so dejected by now that, you know, I wouldn't want to keep going. I'm already at that point for the most part. So for, for me, it's, it's just, it's this beautiful flip of a switch at the beginning of every year, basically, you know, January 1st is kind of when I say coyote season starts. I mean, it's not necessarily true, but for, for argument purposes, we're gonna say January first. It's like the switch flips for me, and I can stop thinking about whitetails, and I can start doing something that's so totally different. And then within coyote hunting, there's there's two different types of coyote hunting that are so you you even kind of get a even more depth to it. So uh, that's that's what's been fun. But Andy Andy actually started it between the three of us. He was the first
1: one to start hunting. Gotcha. So you're you talking about uh, burnt, getting burned out with whitetails, um, and, and that's different for everybody, right? I, I was just talking to one of my buddies the other day, and I, you know, between. Um, you know, work and family and, you know, everything that comes first, you know, you get a certain amount of hunting time. It's different for everybody. Um, I'm not complaining about my hunting time at all this year. In fact, I had a fantastic season. I shot all kinds of critters and, uh, you know, I went hunting a a decent amount. But, you know, the past few years, I I actually said to myself, I want to know how much whitetail hunting I would have to do until I would get burned out. Because, like, I know in in 2021, I I didn't shoot a buck that year. You know, we're a one-buck state, so I didn't shoot a buck that year. And I hunted as much as I could, but, like, I I hunted into our late season in January. And even when that ended, I was still, like, hungry. I still wanted to go. So I, I often think to myself, like, how much would I have to go or how much would I have to get, like, kicked in the nads throughout a season till i would get burned down
0: i i think that's i think you just hit the nail on the head it's the failure that i've had this year mm. that has burned me out it's you know and i can't even really complain like my my youngest unkilled a buck obviously i was with him for that my oldest son shot at a really nice buck and it didn't work out um and then I missed out on the biggest buck of my lifetime, uh, which Micah did kill, mm-hmm. and we've told the story on our show. But it, I think that's that's what's caused my burnout this year is the failure. You know, um, not to, I don't know how I will say this without sounding cocky, but I've been successful,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and these last two seasons have been rough for me. Last year I didn't shoot anything because I passed on several deer. But I never, I didn't feel that burnout last year because, you know, I, I was in the ball game every time I was hunting, I, I could have killed, you know, four or five different bucks. I just decided to let walk because, you know, I'm after a a different age class right now than I used to be. But this year I've just been getting my ass kicked one way or the other, Mm. whether that's, you know, being unlucky, uh, being in the wrong tree at the, you know, the right time, as they say, um, And after the, the, the big buck I was after got killed, all the wind just got taken out of my sails for the most part. And I've never had a season where I felt dejected almost that, um, you know, I just, I'm kind of like, okay, bring on the coyotes. I think I even told the guys like, I'm ready to just kill some dogs. Stuff needs to die, you know? And, uh, So you know that's that's where predator hunting you know has saved me a little bit is I can I can take frustrations out you know Uh, so it's 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 still nice but yeah like I said it's just I think I've had success and then I didn't succeed and I'm not handling it as as well as I would like to I mean I'm not you know crying and throwing fits and everything but inside. Inside, you know, in my heart of hearts, I'm not having a, I'm straight up not having a good time,
1: as they say. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, absence makes the heart grow fonder, is the saying, right? And, and, you know, that'll probably do you some, some good and then recalibrate. But I'm kind of curious when you talk about, you know, the chess match of Whitetail. So you, you've, you've moved your pawn certain ways and things haven't gone in, in, right now we're we're basically to the close of white tail season. I mean, I know Missouri has some late season white tail hunting. It sounds like you're gonna you switch gears and start chasing coyotes, but i'm I'm kind of curious like um <clears throat> where's where are you at from a a side of you know this is what I wanna change or maybe I wouldn't change anything or maybe I want to work towards improving this aspect like like where where's your mind in that stuff when you start doing the 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 you know end of game analysis, so to speak?
0: yeah i'm um i'm at quite a bit of a crossroads right now actually um so two properties that i've I've hunted for years um are gonna change drastically and one of them has already made that change i've talked about in our show the the neighboring farm is really what i was hunting and i was hunting those deer you know slipping up and coming over and you know walking the ditches in our farm and, and you know pinch points Well, that neighboring farm had every single tree taken off of it. So my farm has disappeared. It's just, it's turned to, you know, not, not anything almost. And the other farm I, I I've hunted, which this deer died off of, um, it also has turned poor. And it's also because it's, it's close to the town and there's been a lot of stuff going on around. And I think the deer have just stayed further out, um, you know, because nothing on that farm has really changed in the last three years to cause the deer not to be there, but they're not there. So um, I'm at a crossroads this year. Micah and I got permission on a new a farm this year, which is the farm that the big one got killed off of. And him and I have plans to do quite a bit of work to the farm this year. And, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm going to actively look for a new property, whether that's a lease or hopefully just permission, but where we're from, that's that's getting harder and harder to find. So uh, I'm going to be actively looking for a lease, and um, I'm going to have to do things differently uh, moving forward. I, I need to I need to forget about the good times that came from those two places and start looking forward. And I, I've been I've been looking backwards, and I think it bit me a little bit, um, you know, this
1: year. So when you talk about looking for new places and uh, like chapters changing, does that create more anxiety and stress or more enjoyment and excitement of what's to come?
0: Uh, I would say more anxiety and stress until I know <clears throat> it, if I get a property or if I know about it, uh, that will be excitement immediately. But not knowing um, is just, you know, makes me anxious uh, to the point that um I've never really been a big public land hunter, but there's some, there's some public land not too far from our house. I'm going to be scouting that this winter, um, you know, just in case I can't find uh, permission. I need I need to know that public ground better than just showing up on September 20th of next year and hunting. I, I've I've got to walk. I, I want to be on the you know boots on the ground and, and learn it a little bit outside of just looking on my Onyx maps and things like that. So, um definitely more anxiety than excitement, but I think Mike and I are cautiously excited about, you know, this, this property. Um, pretty much all we did to that property was put cameras out and some mineral and killed 178 inch plus deer off of it. So, um, it's not the easiest property to hunt or access, but I think we're going to continue to learn it. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, see some, some deer of that caliber continue. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. You know, I mean, I've hunted those other two properties for five, six, seven, eight years. And at the same time, they both just kind of dried up. And so it's, it's been a little, you know, and that, and that really wasn't just this year. Last year I was in the same boat. Um, I hunted the property where he died a lot and I saw a lot of bucks, but they were all two or two or younger. Mm. And, um, you know, it was just kind of odd to see, you know, no three, four year old deer there. And that could change, you know, who knows, but this year was the same thing. It was actually even worse this year. Um, I think the drought has a lot to do with it that we, we had in Missouri. Um, it's been really dry here the last two summers. And I think that has a lot to do with why this property has gotten worse. Um, and then, like I told you, the other property Every tree came off of the neighbor, and that's not going to help it.
1: If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize Seed Company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their 1 2 planting system. This system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at vitalizedseed.com and be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Gotcha. Well, uh, shifting gears then, since we're talking about something that is a little bit of a, of a moving target, uh, you said something about stuff needs to die. And I was, I was talking with a with a friend of mine, you know, we. I know you like to chase mature whitetails like you like to shoot a good buck and you know playing the game of uh you know watching them throughout the summer cameras and stuff like that making moves on them and I'm just, uh, that's how I am and uh you I personally over the years I'm a little bit better now than I once was but I'm still pretty bad. I'll put stress on myself over shooting deer and specific deer and, you know, I pass deer, which I'm okay with passing deer, but like the dynamic of that chess match is so much different. Whereas, I compared it to a, a buddy of mine, and I were talking about turkey hunting. It's like, man, if he gobbles and gets you excited, I'm blowing his head off. Like that's just the way it's mm-hmm. going to happen, and the the, the whole dynamic of what, how, why you shoot is just go. Well, it's the same concept with coyotes, man. It's just it's if uh, if he uh, if he howls, he dies, kind of deal, right?
0: Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, we it, it, it actually happened with with deer. i I've, I've mentioned going to that public ground. <laughs> Because if I, if I go hunt deer at public ground, my whole mentality is going to change. Yeah. The first legal buck that walks in front of me is going to die on public ground because I've never killed a buck on public ground. So, you know, I'm back down to the bottom of my totem pole in that situation. You know, this is a t- totally different situation. So th- we've talked about, Hey, I'll just, I might just go out there and just, you know, get something on the ground, put some meat in the freezer and, and feel better about myself type of deal. Mm. Um, but, you know, we've had some, some family stuff happen the last two to three weeks that have caused me not to hunt almost at all. So, um, you know, the the fire is slowly flickering and starting to brighten up on the coyote hunting side of things. <laughs> so next time I have a day to go out, it might be just, you know, with my, my rifle.
1: So I'm kind of curious. I Another reason I haven't taken up coyote hunting, um, among the, the fact, you know, I said – uh, about the What I eat and shoot and stuff That's just like this weird mental blockade I mean I have no problem with anybody who shoots coyotes and hunts them I, That's just for me personally But you know one thing That's deterred me from getting Too gung ho And it's the same concept with duck and geese hunting I love to duck and geese hunt But uh, number one, I, I just can't refuse to devote time during deer season if I don't have a buck tag, filled, But the, the, the bigger one is the, the investment. I mean, I invest time, money, and everything else into deer hunting. And both predator hunting and waterfowl hunting, you can invest a significant amount into both of those. And I just haven't taken that leap. So I've got of curious, when you started diving into coyote hunting, how did that go over in home?
0: Well, not great, but, uh, (laughs) it's just like, it's just like any other, um, uh, hobby, right? Like you can spend a lot of money on coyote hunting and I have, uh, just, I mean, and, and that's part of the reason why we don't waterfowl hunt or we don't, uh, you know, fish as much as we used to, because we're spending all of our money on deer, coyotes and elk and, If, if I just, if I, if I walked upstairs today and told my wife, I'm going to start duck hunting. So I'm going to go buy a trailer. I got to get a boat. I'm going to buy all these decoys. I'm going to get this Benelli shotgun I've been wanting. Uh, she might kill me. You know, she might literally kill me. So, you know, you got to, you got to pick what you want. And, um, I think I'd have a blast waterfowl hunting, but, Coyotes, what I picked, so that's what I'm doing at least right now. Ten years from now, you and I might be talking about duck hunting. Who knows? But right now, it's what or it's coyotes.
1: Yeah, but you're enjoying the adventure along the way. That's what matters. Oh
0: yeah, definitely. I, there's so much about coyote hunting I enjoy the, um, the game, the way you call them, the the just the 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 rush that you get when when you see them, um, the mathematics, the science behind rifles. Um, I've learned so much about rifles since I started coyote hunting so much more than I ever knew before. Um, and I enjoy that sort of stuff. I'm a nerd when it comes to numbers and learning what's best. And, you know, like even within a caliber, there's all these different rounds and and different sizes and different weights of bullets and, and projectiles that you can use. It's, it's so much fun for me to, to learn about that stuff that it's not even just the hunting itself, it's, it's the back end side. You know, it's, it's the rifles, it's the, the suppressors, the, the call, e-callers, the mouth calls, all of it, you know, it's, it's just, it's so detailed. And if you, if you've never coyote hunted, you would not think it is. If you've never coyote hunted, you're like, go grab your 243 from your closet, you know, get you a $200 call from Bass Pro and go out there and throw it up and see what happens. Um, but it's, it's not that. It's so much, you know, more intricate than, than what, um, someone who's never done it might think. And I think that's why we have just, you know, kind of went off the deep end with it because it's, it's such a rush, uh, that, you know, it's, you can't even compare it to whitetail hunting. They're, they're not even in the same globe when it comes to the feeling it gives to you when you see a coyote and when you see a deer, I, I can't even, they don't even feel the same to me. I'm not even doing the same thing, honestly. It's different.
1: Well, elaborate on that. What do? You, what exactly? I mean, how? How can you explain that too? Because, like, that's a unique statement. Like, because cause when I see deer. Um, I get excited. I mean, I I get excited, my adrenaline pumps and stuff like that, but it's, it's a little bit different. So I, I started doing more and more bear hunting now. I mean, I've, I've bear hunted my whole life, but this year I, I didn't just group hunt with a gang of guys and with a gun, I bow hunted bear. And that was a different experience being in a tree stand and seeing a bear. It was just, I guess it was. The newness of it made it a heavier adrenaline rush, almost like back to the good old days when I first started bow hunting deer. But, like, are you talking the same thing, or is it, it, like, is it how different? So,
0: here's the way I, I like to explain it. When I'm hunting a deer, okay, my goal is for that deer not to know that I exist until there's an arrow inside of its body. I don't, no deer hunter wants that deer to know they're there right so I am the predator in that case right I am the predator now when I see the deer I get excited too but I'm I'm in this mind frame I don't know how to explain it really I try to get in this mind frame that I see you now it's time for you to die I yeah. can be excited and happy after it's over so it, it's it's like I'm the I'm the coyote I'm the wolf I'm the predator my job is for you not to know I'm here until you're dead. That's, that's my job. When I'm coyote hunting, there's no question in the woods that I'm there. That coyote, if I've successfully called a coyote in, he knows that something's there. There's no, there's no question anymore. I'm attempting to get that coyote to come to me, whether I'm a, a rabbit in distress or whether I'm attempting to be other coyotes. I'm letting everything in that area know that I am here. Come kill me or come fight me. And the rush I get is almost like I've never been prey before, but that's almost the rush I get. I feel like when I first see that coyote, he is here to hurt or, or to see or to, to mate. Who knows what? But he's here to inflict damage most likely. And the feeling I get goes from, you know, excitement to, okay, he's here. Now it's time to surprise him, right? Because, you know, he knows that something's there. My job is for him not to know that it's a human being until I pull the trigger, uh, or until he's laying on the ground dead, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's just so weird. Like when I'm deer hunting, I feel like the predator and I'm so much more calm and calculated. And with coyote hunting, I feel like it's it's more of a, uh, you know, like a, I wouldn't say crazy situations, crazy scene, but coyote hunting seems to have more of the, like, the, the shit hit the fan type of sets. You know, like just, oh my gosh, he came from this way, there was four of them, oh my gosh, they're all over the place. It just, you know, pandemonium sometimes can Mm. set in with coyote hunting. Um, and that's, what's so fun about it is like, you could just have a a set where you think they're going to be coming from this way. They come from this way. There's five of them. And you know, it's just, it's just dogs all over the place. And you're trying to, you know, you're trying to successfully kill all five of them because you don't want to educate anything. Right. It's, it's just, it's totally different. And that's why I like it so much. If it were the exact same as deer hunting, I think I'd be finding something else to do because I don't deer hunt year round. I deer hunt for September through January, and then I want I'm going on to something else for a little while. So if if cow hunting was just like deer hunting, I would get bored. I feel like it's not the same. It's not even close to the same
1: thing. Well, that makes sense the way you describe that. So, what the way you describe that, what I had pictured in my mind to compare it to me, like and how I relate. So, like the the type of deer hunting you're talking about, you're mostly talking about stand hunting. Man, e man, you know, man against beast kind of th- deal, and and trying to kill him and bow rifle whatever. But I mean that that's one form of deer hunting that's most common, and that's what we do. But like the way I break things up is so like I, I archery hunt, and then when we get to our rifle season, I I will stand hunt and stuff. But I also do a little bit of hunting in a group, and we'll make drives, and that's the same thing. That's like you know, it's the anticipation. You know, are the guns going to crack when you're with the crew? And sometimes you'll man, you'll have deer running everywhere, and it, it's pandemonium. And then when it's all over, you go, "Wow, that's fun. Let's go find somewhere else and do it again." So, in a sense, to that relation, there's uh, there's some similarity, and I can kind of I can kind of get what you're saying there. Now, you had brought up earlier, I went through, and and
0: that's something like in Missouri, you can't drive deer. Oh, as okay. far as I know, so like I've never been on a deer drive in my life. Mm. Um, I've never, I've never had two buddies walk in, you know, to a, a patch of timber and push deer towards me. So like, that's a, a rush I've never felt. So, gotcha. um, you know, if, if I did do a deer drive, I'm sure it, it could be similar to that. Yeah. Um, but you know, even when we hunt with our rifles, I'm still hunting kind of the same way I do with my bow. I've just got a little longer stick now. You know right. what I'm saying?
1: Right, right, right. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So, um. I went through a a, a brief moment in, in my life. It was kind of in a high school time frame where coyote hunting interested me. And and the the thing that really got me fired up, I used to watch Randy Anderson the Truth videos from Primos. I loved those videos. I just like Randy. I thought he was fun. I thought he was a good caller. And those videos just flat out interested me. So you know, I got some calls and stuff, and I called in a couple coyotes and fox and stuff like that but you know what, what you had said about grab your 243 grab a call and go out and see what happens well that's what happened that's what i did and it got to a point where i didn't invest time into more properties and i didn't invest more and it's just like eh, i'm gonna probably scale back and stop doing this so much so when i when i think about what the next step would have been for me right it would have been time and then gear and deer hunting man over the years i look back at some of the things i've spent money on it's like i definitely didn't need to buy that now like looking back on it, it in oh, my yeah. mind oh i needed that piece of equipment now i have it or i got rid of it it's like these are the basics these are the essentials this is what's important it was to a me. good idea at the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the the essentials i have now so i'm kind of curious now that you've done it a few years i know you went through different phases of this whole thing man what what is like essential for you in the coyote hunting world uh maybe like three things what whatever i mean thinking. well i mean i i've i've narrowed the gaz- gadgets and gizmos that go into my backpack when i deer hunt yeah. to, to the, my bear essentials. so i mean three things one thing five things like like what are what are gimmicks or what are add-ons that are not absolutely necessary but what are the things that yeah. like I, I need this this is this makes me next level coyote hunting this is top of the line you know what i mean
0: yeah so a good quality call um would be the first thing that you're going to really want to have um calls are just like cars you can get cheaper ones and you can get you know more expensive ones um The cheaper calls will do the job and they'll do the job all day long. Especially if the cheaper calls that you buy, you can add sounds to, Mm. um, because you can go buy sounds from different websites and places like that. Um, if they'll accept those sounds, then you can continue doing it. Um, I have found throughout my years, um, that I've grad, you know, like I've gravitated towards the more expensive calls now. They're, they're louder if you need that to cut wind. Um, you know, they come with more sounds preloaded. Um, and they're the, the remotes are easier. They have more features and you always think I'm not going to need that feature until you're like, damn, it would have been nice to have that today. Um, so I currently have, well, I actually have two competitor, um, calls that I like. I've got a lucky duck roughneck. Um, and I've got a Fox pro X 24. Um, they both are amazing calls. Um and they they both have totally different calls because they're different companies. Um if you're gonna buy a call, one recommendation I would make is to buy them from places like MFK Game Calls and guys like Rick Follett, uh, which is the verminator. And uh someone's not happy. Yeah, you um, can hear that. That's what I was The verminator. Of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's alright. Um I totally understand that, but and the reason why I say that is if you buy them from Rick Paulette or Tory Cook, which are the two owners of those companies, they will add a bunch of their sounds to the call that already comes with sounds on it. And it's no more expensive than if you just bought it from Bass Pro or somewhere. Same, same warranties. they They don't lose any warranty or anything like that. They're authorized dealers. So a call is a must find yourself some good hand calls and get good at them in just in case you need them. And, uh, the next thing I can't live without now that I've got it is a suppressor. I will never shoot another rifle in my life. That's not suppressed.
1: Everybody I've Uh, ever talked to has said that, that, that used them.
0: Unless, unless I'm like elk hunting where I might only shoot one time with a rifle I can see where I wouldn't suppress it, but, uh, I don't even like hunting with people that aren't suppressed anymore. It's just so different. Um, a suppressor is just amazing. I mean, your target acquisition after you fired your first shot is so much easier because you, you don't have recoil. Um, you no longer need, you know, ear protection and it's also not as loud in the area. Um, I've talked to many landowners after we went on a set and maybe something didn't go right. So we shot like six, seven times and I've talked to the landowner after we get back to his house and he's like, so did you guys have any luck? And my question is like, did you not hear a shoot like seven times? No, I didn't hear anything. It's amazing what it does to the sound. um The further away you get from it, it just doesn't sound like a gunshot anymore. And so it's also less invasive when you're out hunting or area people. And, um, so a suppressor is not the easiest thing to buy. They, you know, somewhere around a thousand dollars is what it's going to cost. And you have to buy a tax stamp and you're going to wait damn near a year to get it. But I think they're worth their weight in gold. And then having a good quality rifle that you're comfortable behind would be the third most essential thing. Um, you know, and I don't care what caliber there's certain calibers, um, that are probably better for coyotes, but it just depends on what you're trying to get done. If you're a person that wants to hunt deer and a coyote with a rifle, then I wouldn't tell you to go buy a 22, If you want to just hunt coyotes, you're damn right. I'd tell you to buy a 22, That might be the best coyote round there is. So, um, it just depends. Like, what do you want to do with your, your rifle? Um, but a good quality rifle that you're comfortable behind with quality glass on it is important to me. And outside of that, the rest of the stuff's just gear, you know, like I have a drag that my buddy Austin made for me that I drag coyotes with. Um, I just throw, you know, I just throw a strap over my back and and walk in Uh, a good tripod, you know, is important, but you don't have to have it right up you know, front. My brother-in-law still uses wooden dowel rods for shooting sticks when we Mm -hmm. go out hunting. So you don't have to have like the best tripod in the world. Eventually you'll understand why you want them. But right now, just starting off, a good quality rifle, a good quality collar. And if you've got a $1,000, order a suppressor now so you can have it by this time next year.
1: Right, yeah, because there's a process that goes into that. I've never done it, but I've talked with people that said it's a it's a process, and you know there's there's a lot of uh, red tape involved with it. But it's a great tool to use yep. once you know how to use it and use it properly. Yep, they're amazing. Yeah, I uh, so I was I was talking I, one of my good buddies from high school. Uh, really got into predator hunting. Um, we I don't know what Missouri's like where you're at. We we still have a lot of fox in our area. A lot of red fox. I mean, hunting red fox is pretty pretty common here um uh, certain places you go in in pennsylvania we got a lot of coyotes but there's uh, there's a lot of places where we don't have a lot of coyotes and we have higher fox but uh when you get into those overlap areas and i've noticed this too the few times i've gone um we'll we use lights use red lights a lot and uh, man we have uh no problem bringing in fox killing fox uh killing other critters but I have never seen a coyote run in on a red light here and I've talked with other hunters and my buddy who hunts them all the time never has any luck with red lights and coyote hunting and I'm kind of curious what's it like in Missouri like what's the pressure like and what's the response to that and and I mean did you get into thermal pressure
0: definitely the pressure is definitely increasing in Missouri um you know the sport the sport is becoming more popular um you know, because jackasses like me talk about it on their podcasts, right? Um, but it's becoming more popular, and that's a good thing. Um, I have never hunted with lights. Well, I take that back. Maybe it, when Missouri first started their their night season, I did. Um, but we have pretty much only hunted with thermals, um, which you know is a different ball game than a light. Um, so I, I know plenty of guys that call them in with lights. Um, I think. The two guys I know that use lights actually use white lights. Um, and if you ever want to see a guy that uses white lights successfully, there's a fella down in Texas. Oh, my gosh. he's a, His name is Chris. Um, and the name of it, I forget the name of his YouTube page. But they hunt coyotes specifically with these big, bright white lights. I mean, it turns a field. It looks like daytime almost by the time they make it so bright. And it's, it's so bright in the coyote's eyes that he doesn't know it's happening. Um, red lights, I've heard that the reason you can have issues with coyotes is that if you stand in a certain way or, um, are positioned with, you know, the light a certain way, it's not the light that bothers the coyotes. It's the shadows that they see moving. So, for instance, if the moon is behind me and I've got a red light shining in front of me, if I move behind my gun, that coyote might see my shadow move in that red light. And that's where they they get freaky, uh, freaked out. It's not that the red light had anything to do with it. It's, it's you. You, your shadow, your movement, they can pick up um, if you're not really careful with how you're using them.
1: Well, speaking of movement, I went with a couple guys maybe last year, and that was one thing that surprised me. When we set up, like every time I'd set up, if I did it myself, I'd pick a tree line, sit somewhere, and try to have a little bit of cover and stuff. When I went with them, we'd sit at the top of the knoll in the middle of a field with absolutely zero cover, and that's how we set up. And I was foreign to me. It's like, where are you, how does that work for you guys when you make a set? Well, in the daytime – I'm, I'm doing what you're doing. We're trying to
0: tuck up, you know, along brush lines, tree next to trees, tree lines. Uh, I have set up in the middle of a field before laying down on a terrace trough, trying not to look like I'm a person, but that's not ideal for us. You know, daytime coyotes. It's all about movement. If a a coyote's got good eyes, uh, it's obviously more about your your smell. That's what a coyote uses their sense of smell before they use anything else But if he's running in and he sees you moving around in the middle of the field get your gun ready He's obviously gonna know something's up So we try to tuck in and we try to set set up to where we're not gonna move a lot uh, Before it's time to, to shoot now Sometimes you know what hits the fan and you got to swing 80 degrees th- a different direction to get a shot Um, but that's where being in a nice brushed in spot makes it a little easier for you to move because hopefully that coyote's attention is on the call and not you moving behind it.
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I, I'll, I'll, my response was when I was doing that, we were doing nighttime hunting, you know, that was where it got me. Like, yeah, so yeah, go ahead. Nighttime nighttime hunting must be a lot different then.
0: Yeah, well, depending on what the moon's doing one night with thermals, if if there's no moon or it's a brand new moon, it's dark outside. It's super dark outside. We will set up in the middle of a field if we have to, with nothing around us. Um, still not ideal because you you, it'd be best if you had something behind you, whether that's you know, let's say you go over the, the top of a hill and you just walk down the hill like fifteen feet, so that the the grass of the hill is behind you now um, just so the coyote can't pick you up in the skyline, um, you know, because even if it's super dark, you never know, they might see you moving in the, in the skyline. Um, or if you can get some trees behind you so that, you know, a coyote can't pick out a human, just looks like a bunch of tree branches. Um, but if it's super bright outside, then you have to try to, you know, get some cover because the coyote's going to see you. Right. um if 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 it gets you know if if they catch the the skyline and you're moving around in it um so yeah at nighttime if it's dark outside we will literally stand in the middle of a cornfield if, if we have to standing up by the way not sitting
1: yeah that that's what got me so the the fellow that i went with did the same thing he kind of had a had a uh uh, I guess it was like a bog pod where he could stand up and, and move and it was effective. I mean, he killed, uh, killed some Fox with it and that just surprised me. And there's always something I learned with predator hunting, like little things that I'm, I'm thinking like a deer hunter. And it's like, I either need to like, like just little changes. I think that probably go a long way.
0: Yeah. You almost got to, you got to forget about deer. Like it's not, remember I told you nuances within coyote hunting that are so much fun. Yeah what I was talking about was daytime hunting and nighttime hunting. Daytime hunting coyotes and nighttime hunting coyotes are almost two different sports in themselves. Um, I would never stand in the middle of a field in the middle of the day, but at nighttime I might. Um, I would never uh, do certain, you know, I've never been as aggressive at in the daytime as sometimes I am at night. Um, Coyotes in our area and in general tend to be more aggressive at night. Sure. Um, it's almost like they, they feel invincible at nighttime. So at nighttime, you will see some of the craziest stuff. Um, you'll obviously see some crazy stuff during the day, but at nighttime, uh, these coyotes have done some of the craziest things we've ever seen. And it is such a rush, such a rush but it's not really relatable to daytime hunting other than the fact that you're using a call and you're calling them in. That's about the only thing that's similar. Uh, but even that is a little different. So um, that's why I said, even within this sport of coyote hunting daytime and nighttime are two different things and they are super fun. Both of them.
1: Do you have a personal preference of one over the other?
0: Well, so I like the chess game and the personal grat satisfaction I get from daytime hunting better. So if you put a gun to my head and said, you can only choose one for the rest of your life, I would probably choose daytime hunting. (laughs) However, being a father of four, the amount of nighttime hunting I get to do compared to daytime hunting is or that I could do is so much more. I have so many more opportunities in the two month window we have in the state of Missouri to hunt coyotes at night with thermals and lights. Just because it's eight o'clock at night, the kids are in bed, I don't have anything going on the rest of the evening. Let's go hunt some coyotes till midnight. With daytime hunting, I have, it competes with everything else I'm doing in my life. So. For instance, there's a, there's a tournament here in Missouri that we help sponsor. We are sponsoring this year and I would love to do it this Saturday, but my son is in a a wrestling tournament. So I'm not going to be there. If that, if that tournament was at night, I'd be there. It's, it's so, you know, so it, that's what is really cool about nighttime hunting. You have so many opportunities to get to go because it's at night after everybody's been put to bed. Daytime hunting is just. You know, if I didn't have a job or if I was a hunter full time, oh, I'd pick daytime hunting all day over it. But I don't, so nighttime hunting fills a big need for me.
1: Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, uh, gotta make it happen, however you can. Exactly. <laughs> so, I'm kind of curious too. So, like everybody, when they hunt, they get some kind of experience. That just really resonates. Was like, wow, that was freaking awesome. Like, I'll never forget. Like this, uh, this bear that's behind me. When I was 13 years old when I killed that, and that thing came into 15 yards, snuck in on me. I heard it breathing. That's how I knew it was coming. It was that freaking close to me through thick laurel and rhododendron, and you know, dropped it in my track in its tracks, and I was elated. But stuff like that that just resonates with you. I'm kind of curious. Where was yours with with coyote hunting that made you just be like, this is absolutely awesome, and I want to keep doing this?
0: Uh, There's always a story that sticks to my head, and it happened with me, Micah, and my brother-in-law, Russell. And we were hunting a tournament. I think it was the first tournament we had that year. And it was our very first set of the day. And myself and Russell sat up about five feet away from each other. And Micah was about... 30 yards further up the tree line than we were just kind of around where it bended and the way I set the call I was hoping the coyote would come out and Micah would be the first one to shoot or he would be the one to shoot first and so we start calling and it's been about 20 minutes and I'm starting to kind of get discouraged that I, I don't think there's a coyote where I was hoping they were and next thing you know this beautiful red coyote comes out of the uh of the woods. And I'm just like, sweet. micah has got it. Here it comes. And the coyote gets to about a hundred yards and Micah hasn't shot yet. So I'm like, Micah, you know, trying to be as quiet as I can. I'm like, you know, like snapping my fingers, anything I can do. And he's just like, he's not even moving. And the coyote keeps coming, keeps coming 80 yards. And I'm like right there. And I'm, I'm pointing like, Right in front of you, I mean, and this coyote's out in the middle of the field, so it's obvious it's right there, and he's just he's not reacting. So that coyote gets close enough to now where I can make a shot on the coyote because Micah is no longer uh, in danger of a shot that I'm taking, and so it gets to like 65 yards, and I just said, I guess I'm gonna shoot it, and I shoot it, and it drops, and Micah's like. Looking around, like, what just happened? I'm like, there's a coyote in front of you right there. <laughs> and um, I think what happened was he got, he didn't think that Stan was going to have anything. So he kind of stopped paying attention. And that's when the coyotes will show up, when, when you think it's over or you think this is no good. And it was just so funny because Micah should have shot that dog and I ended up killing it. And it was a really pretty red coyote. Um, and, but we've had so many stories, like every time we go hunting, the, the amount of funny stories that we have are just, they're endless, especially if you get into coyotes. Um, you know, cause you, you can talk about what went right, what went wrong. Um, you know, oh, you missed your bad shot. You know, you give each other a hard time. It's just so much fun. Um, night hunting is just, we've seen some of the crazier That same farm, we had one of the crazier night stories with the three of us as well. Um, Micah shot a big male coyote night hunting and that coyote, instead of like running off, attempted to fight the bullet that just hit him. So he was like spinning like, you know, like posturing up because he thought something had just bit him. And Russell then shot him two more times. And that coyote took off running for like 40 yards before it died. And that's one of the – and it was a 50 – almost a 55-pound uh, male coyote, one of the biggest coyotes I've ever seen. And just – it was so tough. It was almost unbelievable for us to see what we just watched um, because all three shots were good shots. And that thing still made it 40, 50 yards from first impact. So, you know, you just hear so many – like it's just – the stories are endless. But those are two that kind of come to mind.
1: Well, and that's the cool thing, too. So you say about stories being endless. Like, I think about the deer camp stories. Like, we do an annual deer camp, and, man, it takes years to get, you know, that endless stories. And you could start telling stories and be like, yeah, that was that was last week. Now now we've got, you know, the next six weeks of, of season that we're going to be chasing coyotes and doing that stuff. One of the things I think I realized early on, too, and if I would put the time in now, I would – be way better off because I have more connections than I did when I was trying to predator hunt but man it doesn't take long till you're like I got to get some more sets here I got to get some more places because having options is a big deal because man if you if you go to the family yeah. farm and uh do a set or two there and you're done I mean that's it I mean if you want to keep hunting you need yep. you need ground
0: yeah and uh, that's probably the worst part about Kyle hunting um, it's easier to get permission to kill coyotes than it is to hunt deer, um, for sure. And I think that's true anywhere in the country, but it's getting harder to get permission because more people are coyote hunting. So people are getting permission. Right. Um, you know, uh, I've got a, a few places, a handful of places. Andy being a farmer, um, has a lot of, knows a lot of people. So he's been able to get quite a bit of ground, um, um, and, you know, we just don't be scared to ask somebody, Hey, have you ever had somebody call coyotes out of here? Um, and be very specific about what you're wanting to do. I don't want to touch your deer. I don't want to touch your turkeys. I just want to help your turkeys and your deer. Um, and you're more likely to get permission, uh, because no farmer really likes coyotes. Nobody does. So it's, it's easier to get permission just to kill those things. Right, right. <clears throat>
1: Man, it's been uh, it's been good having you on, Nate. I really appreciate uh, you coming on and just just BSing hunting and talking predator hunting. I uh, I, I think I might try to do I, every year. I do maybe one or two nights or something with some buddies that ask me to go. And All those right. guys are always asking me, like, "All the farm ground that you work with, can't you get some sets on?" Once, at some point, I'm just going to have to bite the bullet, do some homework, and get that get that prepared. Um, I'm kind of interested with the, the suppressor, suppressor, like if I ever got into it, I would want to do it just for that exact fact that you talk about, the intrusion. I mean, we hunt areas that are decently populated with people, you know, guns start cracking at night, sometimes it gets people upset and causes problems, so I think that would probably make it easier, but it's the leap I'd have to take to do it, but um, it's yeah. it's definitely, uh, definitely good off-season if you're just, just a deer hunter.
0: I'll tell you, this is why suppressors have been worth their way to gold uh, for me. When we first started night hunting, we didn't have suppressors. And we went on this farm that's close to my house, and we killed two coyotes, but it took us about seven shots to make it happen. And when we left there, we felt like we were going to be getting in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We didn't do anything wrong, but we made so much noise— 1230 at night or one o'clock in the morning, firing guns, like, we're like, I hope nobody called the cops because it was so loud. You know, like we just, we didn't like it. It, something about it just didn't sit well with us. And that's when we decided we've got it. Well, we already, by that time, we had already decided that and our sisters were already on order. We just hadn't got them yet, but that was just like a, this is, yeah, this is the moment we knew that was the right choice because that doesn't happen with suppressors. I mean, people still might hear you shooting or might know that guns are being... But it's so different. It, um, I can be 80 feet away from Andy on the other side of the hill and, hear, and not hear him shoot his gun because the way the sound traveled, it was you know, not towards me. So um, with night hunting, I don't mean to be an elitist and say it this way, but with night hunting, I almost feel like suppressors should be required. Now, I don't want the government giving me any more rules, so I don't want that to be a thing, but I mean that because, you know, people are sleeping, you don't want to bother them, who knows who's in the area, you know, the last thing you want is, you know, the cops to be called on you and your night to be ruined because somebody thought you were doing something you weren't supposed to be doing, even though you weren't. Um, suppressors are, if you're going to night hunt, look into suppressors for sure.
1: Good deal. Uh, I like it. Man, anything you want to leave us with? Um, I know follow follow you guys along. You're on all the same platforms I'm on. I, I think your social, Missouri Woods and Water, if I'm not correct.
0: Uh, our Facebook got hacked a few months ago and we lost it. So our new Facebook page is Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. Um, and we only have a, a couple hundred followers now because we lost all 6,000 that we had before. So. If you search us out on Facebook and we have a lot of followers, that's not us anymore. Uh, that page got hacked and, and, and uh, we couldn't get it back. And on uh, Instagram, we're at Missouri Woods and Water, all spelled out. And you can catch our show on the Sportsman's Empire Network or just search our, our name. And we are actually now starting to put all of our shows on YouTube as well. Um, just started that. And so you're also gonna be able to catch all of our shows on YouTube. I'm probably also going to put all of our old shows on YouTube, uh, as time allows me and you can find it same, same handle at Missouri woods and water subscribe and, and, uh, you can catch them uh, through YouTube as well.
1: Good deal. Good deal. Well, I'm anxious to see what you bring down. I'm sure you'll be posting pictures throughout, uh, all your coyote hunting over the winter time. So thanks for, uh, thanks for chatting with us. It was good to have you and we'll have to have to do this a little bit sooner than uh, the time it took me to finally have you on. So I appreciate it. Oh, hey, I'm better late than never, as they say, right? You betcha. Hey, have a good one, Nate. All right, bud, we'll see you.